Balls. <laughs> I don't know how I time it so well all the time. I think you hear me take my breath. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Balls. Balls. Sorry. Whenever you're ready. I mean, I know. I know. <laughs> Welcome back to the Jojatorium. Well, I think like, you two, whenever uh, it was, we found the the German Scheiser porn. That's not a lot of each other. You're in twerk classes over there. That's what yeah, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fitness class. Working on them TikTok videos you like so much. Dead face. Got <laughs> <laughs> right in front of you. Welcome back to the Jojatorium. You know who it is. It's Adam. It's Matt. We're decaying with the boys, and we drink beer and know things. When it comes to the month of May, you start to think about springtime, Mother's Day, flowers, and bottomless mimosas with your girls. And guess what? Everything's wrapped in bacon. So Fueled by Hops and Hot Far Brewing are going to bring you the best brunch ever beer fest to go along with that bacon-wrapped everything. So kicking off on May 14th of 2022, more than 20 breweries from all over Pittsburgh and the nation are coming together to take over the amazing Hop Farm for a two-session two extravaganza. There's going to be Kushwa, Magic City, Old Thunder, Fourscore, and Bash Brew. You didn't think there wouldn't be food, did you? If there's beer, there's got to be munchies. So Waffles and Caffeinated, Cafe Raymond, Black Forge Coffee, and Kellyo's Diner is going to be there as well. By the time you're listening to this, the tickets are already on sale and the first session's already sold out. So head on over to FueledByHops.com to grab more info and to get your tickets. But just make sure you tell them that the boys sent you. So Adam, we are back in the Jojitorium. We have some pretty cool stuff happening in the second half. But before we go anywhere near that, we have tons of stuff to talk about. Tons of stuff to talk about. So many things have happened. So many things are going to happen. There was a news week in combat sports? There was stuff? Yeah, there's always... Yeah, <laughs> there, the, stuff happened. But before we do that, this is round one. You continue to make some great beers. You put those together. <laughs> Call round one beers. Huh? Was that delayed a little bit? What are we drinking? <laughs> we are drinking the newest iteration of Clouds Over California, which is uh, Bash Brews Hazy IPA, regular single I Hazy IPA, because we got a double, we got a triple. This is the single. This is the classic. Um, this time, we switched up the hops. So this one's featuring Mosaic. Uh, I forget what else. Sentent? Nope. No. I'm thinking of the old one. Yes. You've changed it, it sir. It is Columbus. There you go. Mosaic and Sabro. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and I can tell you, too, uh, that I remember having double clouds at one point, and it was a banger, like you said, the double version. Being a single version, uh, it definitely has uh, a, a more of a sweetness to it. So that, is that what you were aiming for on this one? Um, the, the yeast fin oh. finished a little sweeter. Uh, it's a little yeah. juicier, definitely. I, I've moved the Whirlpool hops around. Okay. Different temperatures, different length of time to help get that juiciness um, through. Uh, but yeah, and the 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 double clouds, of course, just had a little bit more of an alcohol burn. That yeah. was a pretty high double, from what I remember. It was pretty high, man, but it was delicious. But and this is this is great, man. To use a word you hate, it's crushable. <laughs> <laughs> it is six point four percent. So 
You can drink a few. Yeah, I can have a couple, and it's, I will, especially too. Especially after we've had just a plethora of double-digit yeah. stouts on. So. Yeah, all we do is just drink Imperials. I don't know how we've survived winter. I'm not very well. <laughs> I might not make it to spring. I'm not well. Much like the New Jersey groundhog that croaked <laughs> on the stage. Way to go, buddy. Yeah, you didn't see shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam... Uh, usually we start getting into some combat news here, but I know you watched it and I watched it. The new Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. So I have to, and I know Leatherface is like one of your favorite horror movie icons. So I have to ask you, you know, what did you think of this new iteration? Yeah, I mean, it was a uh, a good Netflix horror movie. I'll put it that way. It was okay. it was watchable. It was eighty minutes. It was quick to get through. Shot wonderfully. Um, like the music. Um, but it wasn't a very good Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, no. in my opinion. Um, it was just, uh, it seemed like you could plug any monster into Leatherface's role in this, and it would have just been a whole new slasher series of movies. Like, could have brought in, like, the new uh, Freddy Krueger or the new Jason yeah. Voorhees, you know. Um, but, uh, it, I mean, it was it was a fun watch. But as a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it probably ranks, like, third worst like my least favorite is new generation yeah 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 um leatherface which was like the backstory was terrible that was i think also a netflix release yeah and then i put this one like tied from the worst with uh texas chainsaw 3d like, oh that was terrible yeah. yeah yeah um did like how brutal it was um plenty of gore some of it really bad cgi gore though yeah um but there was a massacre in this texas chainsaw massacre so that's a thumbs up, yeah. but overall, uh, thumbs down. Enjoyable watch if you're drinking some beers and need yeah. something to watch. I think the good news is that it brought horror back to Netflix. It did really well in the numbers. Yeah. So hopefully some more horror movies get, get uh, purchased for, you know, bought up by Netflix to get made, and, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, I can agree with that. And, and what I think I told you, too, before we got on camera that I watched it twice. So I watched it the first time as canon for... Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I was like oh man and then I took a day and went back and watched it again and I was like this and I told myself this isn't Texas Chainsaw Massacre this is just a slasher and it is a very serviceable slasher Right. if you do that and not put it up against the titans of that you know that franchise it stands pretty well and I think too and like you said I think it brings horror back to Netflix horror was kind of on a lull right now in netflix at least yeah i mean netflix netflix and uh, hulu especially are just like all blumhouse like regular schlock like yeah. it, it's just jump scares it's just old, yeah it's just old yeah. hat now for horror like right. I'm not interested so at least it was something fresh wasn't perfect um yeah. yeah like you said canon like you're missing the family you're missing it sounds sick of me to say you're missing the cannibalism yeah um you're missing him chopping somebody up you know like Taking their skin off and stuff. Except, well, right at the beginning. Right. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <clears throat> but, like, you know, it's not as methodical. It's not as drawn out. There's not as much story or substance. Yeah. It's just like, this is just going to be a slasher. He's just going to yeah. fucking kill people. And, that, that, and that's fine. That, and that, that yeah. has a place. And that was fine with me, too. You know, I just figured, if it's a slasher, it's cool. It kind of <laughs> it oddly reminded me of the Leslie Vernon thing, where it was like the mocky slasher thing. A little bit. It almost had that vibe i was like looking for the camera crew behind him a little bit right. but uh yeah no i mean serviceable i want to see what because number two the number three i guess because texas chainsaw massacre two kind of i don't know they just called this one texas chainsaw massacre call so, it yeah. put, put a two on there put a two on they'll there. put something 
But the next family, one, hopefully, it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre Family Reunion. That would be great because <laughs> I need I need some other characters. That's like when we we had that metal band. We almost called it Hewitt Family Reunion. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool as shit. So uh, another movie that's coming out uh, today, actually, because we're recording this on a Friday, is Studio Six Six Six. So this is actually an Evil Dead style horror comedy starring David Grohl and the rest of the Foo Fighters. Um, it's but one of the redeeming factors here is that Hatchet Three filmmaker B.J. McConnell is actually directing this. Oh, that's cool. So you know he's going to bring that you know over the top artsy gore B movie style to this one, which is cool. And David Grohl's fucking hilarious. I mean, he he's funny. The clips I've seen, the trailers and stuff, it looks like David Grohl's, you know, comedic prowess is is on display, and he did really well with like Tenacious D and stuff like that too. So, yeah. he was um, a good Satan. Oh yeah, he's a great. Like, oh, I'm a big <laughs> fan. I love you guys. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome in that one. Um, so, you know, if if you guys haven't been following this Studio Six 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 thing, it's going to be the Foo Fighters are making their tenth album. They go to an historic. Uh, was it recording studio out in the middle of nowhere? And then everyone slowly gets possessed and people die. And it's, it's funny. It's a horror comedy, which is kind of my lane. Um, but I was going to ask you, Adam, if this is really good, do you think other bands or other kind of like, you know, groups like that would jump on the train? And who do you, who oh, do you possibly. think, who do you think would jump on it? I, in kiss. <laughs> yeah. They jump <laughs> anywhere. They can make a bucket. They'll jump on, but like in all sincerity, and I'm not a huge fan of, any of their newer music, but Metallica, I know Kirk Hammett's a huge uh, horror fan. So I think he would definitely get involved with something like this and maybe bring yeah. some of the band or some guys from metal into it. I'd really like that. Um, if you get the Rolling Stones in there, you might catch a real death on camera. Yeah, That'd absolutely, be cool. Yeah. And then uh, just if they want to do a full-out snuff film, Imagine Dragons should do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Imagine Dragons. You should reach out and then <laughs> film it, I don't know, somewhere where you know real shit happens. Yeah. Um, I'd also say like BTS. What are you up to? Take them out to the jungle. Yeah, BTS. Oh, maybe just clash those two bands and like a Freddy versus Jason horror movie. Oh yeah, like BTS a BTS versus Imagine Dragons. Battle Royale kind of yes. situation. Yes. Yeah. Who wants to eat motherfuckers? I'm on, <laughs> team, I'm on team BTS for sure. Oh, for sure. They're so cute. They're like so thing. cute. And the thunder. <laughs> so Adam, we do have to have a little bit of a showdown. You and I. We haven't faced off in a while. And you've been begging me to punish you, which is making me feel odd. But I didn't want to do it because it was yeah. over some. It was over a terrible pay per view, so I wasn't going to do that. So punish me, punish me, daddy. Ugh, it's, it's even weird when I joke about it. it made me uncomfortable. Mm, it should. So this bets of doom is going to go with the AEW Revolution predictions that are coming up here. So we're going to little Grammy try to kill each other. With these bits of doom. So we'll start. I care about this. And we might be watching it together. We, yeah, exciting. we may be watching yeah. this one together. So, um, it, if you know anyone who's new to AEW, the revolution sets up some of the ma- more major pay per views. And one of the matches that premieres here is the uh, face of the revolution ladder match, where I think it's what, six or seven? Seven. I think it's usually six, but we got seven this we got year. Seven. I think it is seven, yeah. usually, actually. You're right. So Keith Lee, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Anthony Bowens, Orange Cassidy, and then oh, I'm saying or Orange. Cass- I think it ended up being Bowens. I can't remember. It's on right now, so we're not sure. Wasn't it on Rampage? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're not sure. Sorry, it's probably going to be it's, Bowens. I think it's probably going to be Orange Cassidy because he's got nothing else to do. Oh yeah, you're right. He doesn't have any matches. Yeah, yeah it's going to be Orange Cassidy, and then to be determined. So first and foremost, Adam, who you're picking to be the mystery? He's always a mystery signing. Oh, I was just going to ask if I can take TBD to win and just, like, whoever it is. No, 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 no. <laughs> so I think, and I, I'm stealing this off of another podcast I heard today, um, but I think it is going to be the former Cesaro, whatever name he decides. 
I don't know if he'll come back as Constantoli or what, or one of his old ring That'd of honor cool. uh, under one of those names. But I think it'll be formerly known as Cesaro coming back to literally grab the brass ring. Because if you remember old Vince's podcast with Stone Cold, he didn't see Cesaro as a main eventer because he needed to reach that brass ring. So yeah. I think Tony Khan's going to give him that brass ring. I hope so. I love Cesaro. Um, in a in a close second for me though, I hope Keith Lee does some cool shit. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I am too. Um, I think w- there's a lot of storylines here. Like if Wardlow wins and somehow actually captures the uh, the TNT Championship, that's the whole setup with MJF for their big That'd be cool. split. But I can agree. I think Cesaro is definitely the shoe in for the, the to be determined. But I also think too, you're going to start looking for. Some of the other people that are kind of hanging around, I'd really like to see Wyndham Rotunda finally appear. Um, that's that's like my fantasy, so I'm going to stick with that one. I would too, but I thought he'd be in the House of Black this week, and it was Buddy Matthews. Oh, he's so ripped. <laughs> uh, he needs some tats, though, yeah, to be in that group, right? Yep, yeah. He need to some get into Swedish scream metal. Uh, but I'm going to take Keith Lee for the win on this one. Smart. I Smart think move. Keith Lee's going to... Gonna take this another, one up. Another rumor I've heard for the surprise, which makes sense. I heard I saw he was signed is uh, Shane Strickland. Oh yeah, yeah Swerve, uh, okay. Swerve got signed AEW, so it could be him too, and he would be phenomenal to watch in a that ladder match. Yeah, I mean Cesaro's sure. had some great ladder match spots in past Money in the Bank. But Swerve too. is so athletic. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad they got some little guys in here to fall off of stuff though. Ricky Starks is gonna fall on that injured neck a lot. Yep. Good luck, Ricky. <laughs> Stay safe, buddy. Hopefully uh, Orange Cassidy does, too. Oh, yeah. He does some crazy. He's like the Shane McMahon of AEW. Oh, bye. <laughs> so we're going to move into a three-way tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Speaking Championship. Of people I hate. Yeah. So uh, originally here, too, they were supposed to be um, the possible Lucha Brothers returning for this one. But, of course, with Ray Phoenix, Get Better Ray, uh, still on the men with the arm. There's still there's a team to be determined, which is actually going on tonight as well. There's another like Battle Royale. I think we can guess who that's going to be. Yeah. But. So it's a uh, Jurassic Express taking on Red Dragon, and who do you think? No, go ahead. You go first this time. Uh, I, I went first. In the oh, match. Young Bucks. Yeah. The Young Bucks yep. would be in this one because AEW, despite the fact of having one of the best tag team divisions in all of professional wrestling, only give a shit whenever uh, Young Bucks are involved. So Young Bucks are going to be involved in this match. Plus, they have the ongoing kind of inner feud with Red Dragon. So I think yeah. that makes the most sense. Who I mean, and I kind of want to see that play out in the story, but um. Wish FTR wasn't there to be honest. They, I think they're going to have something coming up in the near future. I think they're going to be contenders throughout the year, but just not right now. Yeah, yeah. So who are you taking to win this one? I hope Red Dragon wins. Okay. Anybody but Borosaurus. You really don't like him. Botchosaurus. Botchosaurus Rex. Lamosaurus. <laughs> So we're going to a six-man tornado tag team match, which I love the tornado tag team oh, match. Oh, so were you taking – you didn't say who you were taking. Are you young, taking young the bu- Young Bucks? Young Bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking the Young Bucks. I was just asking you who you thought the team was going to be. I'm, ta- taking I'm sorry. Too. I'm taking them two up here and to take okay. it, and that's going to cause the greater division between Adam Cole. Cool. And every, yeah. I'm cool with that. So the AHFO, it's Andrade Alidolo, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy is taking on Sting, Sammy Guevara, and Darby Allin. Uh, this is a cool match. There's going to be lots of awesome spots here because Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen are two daredevils. Matt Hardy takes a lot of damage. Isaiah Cassidy is a young and up-and-comer. And everyone loves Andrade, and I love Sting. Who are you taking? That's your opinion. I'm, I This is definitely going to be my piss break match. This is it? I can't stand Matt. I can't, see, I can't stand seeing Matt Hardy hobble around the ring anymore. Well, that's I what really him, and, him and Sting are going to tie up. Yeah, yeah, hope, yeah, hopefully for like. Two minutes and then get it. Well, that's why it's out. a tornado the, tag team match. Get the match. fuck out of the way. Oh, they'll take. Okay. Yeah, they'll just they'll cancel each other out. That makes it a little bit better. They'll go hug. 
You yeah, know. they'll go. Yeah, they'll go yeah. lay on each other on, mm-hmm. on the ramp. And um, I, I, I think you got to give it to the baby faces here. I think Sting, Sammy, and Darby are going to win this one. Yeah, I agree. Um, there, there's, I don't see much. I don't see much uh, talent on the other side, aside from Andrade. Uh, currently in the TNT title picture because I think right now you're going to see Andrade really develop that rivalry with Sammy Guevara. Yeah, this they're match. Gonna, they're going to they're going to split up the Hardy office too, I think. Yeah, because uh his brother's incoming. coming. Yeah. Hey, I'm coming. I'm not coming. But I'm I didn't say I I am. meant theoretically. <laughs> I was like if I could, I would love to. <laughs> uh so Jeff, you're a terrible liar. So, we're moving on to a singles match. I don't think anybody really wanted um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston. I'll go first here. I hope Eddie Kingston wins. I'm going to pick him. That's who I want. I know that Chris is going to win, but I'm going to pick with my heart and say Eddie Kingston's going to win. I don't. I'm also picking Eddie Kingston, and I don't agree with you that Chris is probably. I think Chris has been at least putting over the young talent that he's wrapping up in these stupid programs with him. Well, he's at. He has that rumored pending return to. W-E. Yeah, so yeah. losing, get the fuck out. That's fine with me. Yeah, and hopefully that's what happens. But I, I just I just kind of see, I don't know. Is Are the rumors of him not being able to book himself to lose matches? I'm I don't, just done. Yeah. I'm just, I, it's just. It's, it's tough. It's like, who's the next hot up-and-comer? He'll be against, probably Sammy next. No. He'll take Alito's spot yeah. and freaking go. Go bury. Yeah, it's like, who's, who's, the, who's the hottest young prospect? I was the world champion. I'm the TNT champion. Guess what? I'm going to win the tag team championships all by right. myself. Not, not that Eddie Kingston's a young up-and-comer, but he's hot. He was yeah. hot off of that CM Punk feud. And oh. He got hurt, yeah. sadly. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I think this is going to be kind of a sl- I don't know how healed up Eddie Kingston is, and Chris Jericho has been plotting, so this might be a slow... Snooze yeah. fest, but I hope it's good because Eddie's in there. So I love Eddie. We love Eddie. Yeah, he's just yeah. injured. I mean, he's coming off of an injury, yeah. so I don't know if he's rushed back. I heard it was like a broken ankle or something. He's already back. That kind of <laughs> concerns tough. me. He's yeah. tough, man. That dude would wrestle with a fake leg if he could. I mean, he doesn't. And care. I'd watch it. I would, as long as he gets to talk on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna move into a match. I'm actually really excited about. It's uh, Brian Danielson taking on John Moxley in a singles match here. And there's lots of weird, like almost side bet stipulations to this one because you know, of course, Danielson wants Moxley to join him to kind of breed more violent fighters in AEW, which would be actually a really cool stable. Um, you're first. Who are you taking? That sucks because I don't know who I want to take. I'm just rooting for them to create that stable. Uh, I'll do a little coin flip in my head. Pick a number, actually. Five. That will be John Moxley. Okay. Yeah. That's how I have to do that one. <laughs> John, of course, was odds. And yeah, oh, yeah. Danielson yeah. was evens. Um, I'm actually going to go with Danielson on this one because I think it's going to force uh, Moxley and Danielson to. And one of us might actually get punished because we're picking yeah. down people. <laughs> uh, I just. No, I, this one's yeah. really, literally a coin flip. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think that Danielson's going to out-violence, if that's a way to say that, uh, Moxley. But I think for story-driven purposes, having them form a faction of, like, <laughs> like hardcore Holly <laughs> trainers, <laughs> it sounds pretty cool. I'd watch it. So it, it's my hope. So I'll say Danielson for this one. Uh, we're going to move into a dog collar match, which was just signed up about a week ago. Uh, CM Punk finally picked a stip- stipulation here. So um, CM Punk versus MJF in the dog collar match. We've only seen one other dog collar match, and that's uh, the great, uh, late, great Brody Lee. And what's his name? 
Not in AEW anymore, Cody Rhodes. Don't care about you. I do. I want. I want to see him pop up somewhere else. You turned our. You he turned better back be a on heel. us. I want him to be. A heel. You're Stardust. You're Stardust. No, he's not. I know he won't he's be. Awesome. I hope he goes to. I hope he helps with the uh, Ring of Honor stuff. I hope he goes to Wii because then it gives me a reason to watch WrestleMania. I can't. That's it. That's all I need. He'll team up with the Miz. He'll, he'll no, already, no, no. They already announced that. It's not. It's, it's not, not him. that. It's looking like it might be him versus Edge, which I'm kind of interested. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah I could watch that. Um, I'm, I'm first here, right? Yeah, I'm first. Yes. Uh, MJF. MJF wins this match. Yeah. The only reason why I'm saying MJF is because I believe, and we'll talk about this here in a little bit, that promo he cut is only to get inside the head of CM Punk. And CM Punk's going to hold off. He's not going to be as violent. Eh, I don't know. I think they're going to pay off that get in his head thing in the go home show. So I think we're already going to have a definite, and I hope they do. Because yeah. I didn't like, I mean, it was a great uh, segment on Dynamite this week where yeah. MJF played like the scorned fan of cm punk right. but it wasn't in his character i didn't like it at all it so i need that blown off as soon as we can because i just yeah. like him being a fucking prick yeah um but i mean it, it, i'm not gonna show my hand yet but i'll go um i gotta agree with you i think it's gonna be mjf yeah. i think it should be you have a different reason why he's gonna win yeah but i can't tell you yet. okay all right You'll surprise me whenever yeah. we're watching it. <laughs> no, I'll surprise you in about two more matches. Here. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> moving on to a match I'm so excited for. Britt Baker, DMD, taking on our love, friend of the podcast, Thunder Rosa, it, for the AEW Women's World Championship. You are first. And I already know who you're going to pick. You you do? Yeah, I do. You no, know, I like both of these ladies. One, one of them's from Pittsburgh. You're picking La Mira Mira. But the other one... Is on my TV screens, and she rents space in my dreams. It's Thunder Rosa. Oh yeah, she's. I think it's her time. I think uh, Britt needs a doesn't need time without the belt, but I think she needs to go and break up that faction she's got. I think her yeah. and uh, Hater Hater are gonna go into a program mm-hmm. probably. Um, yeah, I think Thunder Rosa can can hold it for a good good mm-hmm. while and get into some good feuds. I'm gonna put actually, her on a baby face for a little bit. I'm gonna agree with you here, um, but I think. What's going to happen here is Thunder Rosa is going to win this match because Mercedes Martinez is going to come out and help a little bit. There's going to be some interference on Britt Baker's side from Hater, and then Martinez is going to come out and make the save. Now, there could be the ultimate double heel flip where you have Martinez out there and she's been wronged by Britt Baker, but it was all a plot. You know, like it's AEW does cool stuff. So, die, Cobra Kai. Yeah. Sweep the leg, Johnny. Put him uh, in a body bag. <laughs> I think it'll. I think it'll be a killer match. I hope it's at least shades of their lights out match. Yeah. Well, Thunder Rosa already said this one counts, <laughs> so I'm excited to see what happens. All right. So please, Adam, hide your boner because we're going to talk about Hangman Adam Page taking on Adam Boom Cole for the AW World Championship. I get to go first here. You do. I do get to go first here, and I believe with my heart that. Adam Cole is going to win the belt with some very, 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 very heel shit cool. to make Adam Page look very strong, okay. even in loss. I know you think I'm wrong. No, no, no. You're fine. Okay. I'm taking Adam Cole. Guess who I'm going to take? Because I hear it every fucking day. This, I think Adam's going to win. They're both named Adam, dude. Are you taking Adam? Do you get it? I'm taking Adam. But now I'm going to I'm going to go against you here. Um, I won't be mad if Adam Cole wins, but I think Hangman's winning because 
I think MJF's winning his match to be next in line for the world championship. I think that's how it should play out. He's a heel. Hangman's the face. That's how it has to work out. Yep, classic. Yep. So that's what I'm just future booking. I don't know. I'm I'm okay with either man walking away with the yeah. title. I, these are maybe my two favorite guys in there, along with Kyle O'Reilly. Is like yeah, oh yeah, all my favorites. It would be kind of cool to put the gold on, you know, Adam Cole and Red Dragon at the same time. All too, the, un- so, the undisputed yeah. callback. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, excited for especially the second half of this card. Is these last Stack. four matches are unbelievable. Yeah. You're gonna have to. You're gonna. I'm just gonna have to have a bucket behind the bar here. I'm not going for any bathroom <laughs> breaks. You know what I mean? So if we look at some of the other news here, so I actually I have a new promo drop for you for Combat Sports News. So we're going to Combat Sports News. Cool. Uh, from Buckle to Bell to Bellator and back, the boys bringing the best combat news in the biz. Bellator and back, huh? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's like the, the the alliteration yeah, with the bees. Yeah, I'm I'm working on stuff, people. This is where I work on my material. You tell me if it's good or not. Ugh. I liked it. I Thanks. Liked it. So we talked about MJF's promo before, and we know that him to be a high level heel, but he cut a pretty tear jerking promo on AEW Dynamite, kind of showing a lot of vulnerability. Do you buy it? No. Well, we already talked about this. Yeah. yeah so no, I don't buy it. Well, I I it was well acted. Well presented yeah. if they roll with it they'll all be disappointed that's how i'll put it yeah um but man he spoke some truth i felt yeah. the same way i felt like cm punk gave up on me in yeah 2014 as well absolutely he's my favorite wrestler at the time i literally stopped watching wwe yeah at, you know yeah. as consistently as i did at that point that was it for me too man i don't, I don't think i really tuned in uh, a couple things here and there maybe yeah, that punk cena rivalry was yeah. probably the hottest thing in the 2010s you know and ended terribly yeah 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 but yeah i mean we'll see where it goes i want prick mjf back though i do too yeah yeah i i mean maybe he just needs a break dude because he just, no he stays in that heel persona for so long he's got to be tired no breaks <laughs> no it's, breaks. it's good to see your versatile let's cut that yeah. out now <laughs> so speaking of versatility our our friend of the podcast tony khan continues to um just tease so much he's such a tease such a tease, Uncle Tony. So insiders are leaning towards a huge deal between multiple promotions, kind of based off of what Tony Khan's been talking about. And there are two ideas here. It's a huge promotion reach where there's like, I think right now they're talking about going back to Impact in New Japan and having that be a thing. Mm-hmm. But there's also a rumor out there that it could be Impact, New Japan, GCW, AEW, MLW, and NWA all joining forces for some kind of like huge tournament and then also too don't forget ring of honor may spark back up at that time right so, i mean you at least have all those free agents from ring of honor available yeah. for said tournament and they're also and they're doing so well in impact right now that invasion angle they're playing over there is fantastic if you haven't been watching it i haven't i gotta catch up on it i do really I, I don't disagree with you it yeah. sounds amazing mm-hmm. so eddie edwards uh he, he turned Affected. he turned heel on I, impact. I did see yeah. that i did see that fantastic eddie edwards is one of my favorite wrestlers and he's doing great work over there. He's slowly putting on some bulk. He's starting to look like me a little bit. Yeah. I like him a lot. Dude, get thicker. <laughs> Thick. Right, let's go. <laughs> There's also another thing, too, where uh, Tony Khan's working some major signing to bring about a new dominant faction. Um, Is that the House of the New Black? I think so. That's what I would say. There's also, some, there's also the, all this Bullet Club rumbling. Because uh, uh. Impact has all, almost all of the original New Japan uh, Bullet Club over there. Except my boy Tomatonga with he's there. 
Oh, is he there? Yeah. Oh, I got to watch him. The Gorillas of Destiny, man. Oh, I got to watch him. They're They're over there right now. Yeah. Man. Tom was over there. They just got defeated by the Good Brothers. Well, that's bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, man. And it was a flip because Switchblade... Came. Turned. I did. Yep. Okay. Yep. I did yep. hear. Yep. I did read something. See, that's what I'm saying. I bring the news to you and, and to Adam. Look at what I just <laughs> found out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was like we talked about earlier. I really wanted Wyndham Rotunda to be yep. in the place of Buddy Matthews there mm-hmm. um, for House of the New Black. If that's the dominant faction, mm-hmm. since now they have Buddy in there, you kind of need. I think they need a female in there to like really solidify that faction. I want Julia Hart. To defect, or you still could you you have like Buddy in the TNT title picture, you have Alistair and uh, Brody King in the tag in the tag division. You still could fit Wyndham in there in the title. Scene, that would be cool. You know? I'd really like. There that. still might be a leader coming. You know what I mean? It, it'd be kind of cool to watch them in the way they are go against a completely heel turned Dark Order. I would like that. Ooh. But they, they, all of Dark Order have to agree all at the same time. Like, hey, listen, we're not going to be baby faces anymore, and just go kind of back to how they were when they were yeah, just man. Colts, just knocking people down. Johnny Johnny Hungy became a meme. I don't know if they can go heel right now. <laughs> He's I love John Silver so much. <laughs> I do too. Anna, you, you Anna. <laughs> so Adam, going from scripted combat to some unscripted combat, we do have a huge card for UFC 272 coming up on uh, March 5th, the day before Revolution. So no bets of doom on this. I'm glad. I'm glad you made AEW the bets of doom. Yeah, because <laughs> this is a this is a toss up card. This is a very see. difficult card. And that's why I didn't want to do that because I felt like this one was too close and it wouldn't be fair because it takes a lot of research and we're busy. This is hard. We do this for you. It's hard. You should love us. He's hard. Subscribe to us. Share us. Make him hard. Join our cult. So UFC 272 is going to kick off on March 5th. Glad directed at the people and not me. That would have been creeped out. So <laughs> on March 5th. That's so fucking gross. You better edit that out or we're going to lose all of our fans. So we're going to see some people that we talked about in some previous cards actually coming back to <laughs> motherfucker. Uh, fight on this card, especially y- your best friend, Greg Hardy's coming up on the first see match that. here. It's a heavyweight match. Uh, where do you say that? Sergey Spivak? Sergey Spivak? 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 Spivak sounds good. Your guess. So Sergey's taking on Greg Hardy. I'm just going to go with that. The Moldovan. Yes. The Moldovan. Yes. Shout out to Nigel Fiance. So, um, so Sergey's coming in at 13-3-0, while Greg Hardy's coming in at a 7-4-0 with one no contest. And we saw him last get his ass completely destroyed uh, about two cards ago. Two or three, yeah. Yeah, he just got dismantled. Well, he played football. He did. we got to keep him on the main card. He's strong. Uh, I'm going to go right now. I, if you watch anything, you know, I didn't know much about Sergey before. I had to do some research on this. But when you watch his fight highlights, he has the perfect build to beat the shit out of Greg Hardy. He's fast. He's got a gas tank. And he has ground game. All things that Greg Hardy is lacking right now. So I'm going to say Sergey's going to take this one probably in the first round if not early second round can't disagree with you there yeah. uh another fun fact about sergey his nickname is the polar bear so I, I like the creativity in the nickname especially him being from moldova i like cold it. cold climate and all yeah um and all of his fights all of his 13 wins except two have been finishes so he's only gone to a decision win twice good man and i agree with you i think he will finish it in the first or early second on the ground 
Yep. Either ground and pound or tap him. He has a couple submission wins, so yeah. we'll see. But, yeah, you're right. That's where Greg Hardy lacks. Uh, Hardy would have to catch him super early with a – Which he has the with power. A, with a good shot, yeah. He's got power, yeah. but if he – you know, power gets defeated pretty quickly by skill and speed. Sergey will see it coming. <laughs> We're going to see uh, Mr. Kevin Holland taking on Alex Oliveria. Uh, welterweight here. So Holland coming in at 21-7-0 with one no contest, and Alex is coming in with at 22-11-1 with two no contests. Um, we we know both of these guys to be very, very well-rounded fighters. This is a toss-up, so much like you, I'm picking Alex. I don't, you know, I think his, you know, with the coin toss in my brain, but <sighs> Oliveira is, 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 he just has a stronger stand-up. The stand-up yeah. is stronger. Yeah, uh, his front kick is brutal, and he leads with it. He leads with it like he would lead with his jab. So that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah, I mean, Oliveira's coming. Alex Oliveira's coming in with on a three-fight losing streak. Uh, Kevin hungry. Holland's got two losses and then that no contest in his last fight. So both guys coming in hungry. Uh, I'm also picking Oliveira just because I'm a fan of him. Like, it's yeah. just, I'm just picking with my heart here. Um, I've I, He's the more exciting fighter in my <laughs> mind. He's pretty brutal, um, too. Yeah. So, yeah. go with him. Go with the, okay. the warrior. The violence. <laughs> so My we, heart chooses violence. Every day, wake up, choose violence. <laughs> <laughs> Eat bacon, go back to bed. So, coming in at featherweight, two guys are just going to go just completely batshit crazy inside of the, the octagon here. Uh, Edson Barboza taking on Bryce Mitchell. These guys have, despite that... Barboza has more fights. I think these guys have very similar records in and to a degree. Mm, Barboza has ten losses to the one for Mitchell, but I don't think Mitchell's been as tested as Barboza. Mitchell's younger. Barboza has more skill and grit. I think Bryce Mitchell has a better gas tank. I always go with the gas tank. I'm taking Bryce Mitchell. Like what you said about Bryce Mitchell. He might only have one loss, but who you beat, brother? You haven't beat nobody. <laughs> a bunch of no names. Are you cutting promos? Yeah, a bunch <laughs> of no names. I'm cutting a promo for Edson Barboza right now, and I'm taking Edson Barboza because Bryce Mitchell ain't beat nobody. <laughs> It'd be funny as shit if you start cutting that. You're like, and I'm taking Bryce Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to turn Edson into a nobody. <laughs> <laughs> nah, taking Edson. Yeah, it's. I think you know the the skill may, may overtake Mitchell, but I'm, I'm relying on that gas tank a little bit. But that promo's hot. It's good to have a. It's, it's so good hot. to have. A, it's 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 pretty easy to have a big gas tank though when you haven't gone against anybody. <laughs> yeah. No, I phrased it wrong. Barney. I couldn't say nobody there. I fucked that up. Yeah. So Rafael dos Anjos is taking on Rafael Fizev. Good try. I think. I, yeah, I can't do any better. That's, that's, that's fine with me. It's a lightweight co-main event. He's a soda boy. He's yeah. busy. So the battle of the Raphaels. Uh, Anios is coming in at thirty thirteen and zero, while Fizev is coming in at eleven one and zero. Um, this is another another battle of a tested warrior going against a younger opponent with uh, a less than difficult career path i mean not to say that any fighter is taking an easy fight you're saying he hasn't beat nobody he hasn't beat nobody <laughs> double negative all you're doing is beating nobody <laughs> but the cream will rise to the top and i think that's where uh Anno, anios is going to take this one it's just going to be the the if you watch rafael anios his highlight reel is ridiculous and i just think that those 30 wins hold more weight than the 14 
or the 11 that uh, Fizev is bringing into this match. See, we flip-flopping from the last fight. I'm taking the young cat on this one. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I'm taking Fizev uh, purely because Dos Anjos is now 37 years old. Yeah. And he hasn't fought since November 2020. So I think he's going to be a little rusty. That's tough. That's tough. Where Fizev has been active. Yep. And beating nobody. nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're you're. So I'm flip flopping on you, Matt. That's fine. Actually, the same reason you're taking Bryce Mitchell. I'm I know. Right. Yeah. Well, yep. That's okay. Well, the welterweight main event going down with Colby Covington taking on Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Masvidal. Sorry, you man. You. I, he's your favorite name to fuck up. He is. He, I call him George a couple times. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so Colby's coming in at sixteen three and zero. Wow. <laughs> Jorge is coming in at 35, 15, and oh. oh. I don't like either of these fighters at all. <laughs> I really don't. I don't. Their their personalities make my skin crawl. UFC is clamoring for this storyline, though. Former best friends, former roommates, former blah, blah, blah. What is this, fucking teammates. real world? Yeah, now they're enemies. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, I'll just... <laughs> I, I can't respect anyone who battles for a bad motherfucker belt, so I'm going to go with Covington on this one. Oh, you motherfucker. Yeah. I thought I totally thought you were taking Jorge. No, I, I kind of like Jorge still. Whatever. I yeah. But I'm with you. I think Colby's going to beat him on the ground. To be honest. Yeah, I. Col- Colby's decimated everybody recently except everybody yeah. not named Kamara Usman. So like, but who has? Yeah, who has? But he's dominated everybody else. Yeah. Where Masvidal's had yeah. stumbles, yeah. stumbles and bubbles. It- he did knock out Ben Askren. And <laughs> yeah. Well, it, uh, well and it's tough second. for me to say because I do like um, the coach, the Mike Brown, who coached both of them, Yeah, was one of my favorite fighters back in the day. Um, and Masvidal is still under his tutelage where yeah. Covington moved on. But I still – I just can't pick against Covington as much as I hate him. It's tough. Yeah, he, he's been looking really strong lately. And, I, and I'm picking him just because I don't like uh, Jorge that much. I See, just I like him. I, I like I like Jorge. It breaks my heart to pick Covington because I fucking hate him. But Covington's an asshole too. I think too. he's going to win. Yeah. So, Adam – we got to mix things up a little bit here because in the second half we got some pretty crazy shit going on. So I'll let you know right now. We threw it out to social media for a SmackDown, and I asked all of our listeners, "Are you afraid of clowns?" And again, it's always like, "Why are you asking us these fucking questions?" You find out. Stay, stay tuned. Why well, don't stop asking questions? You know the answers around the corner. Uh, Maybe in the title of the episode, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> Context clues. <laughs> It's not a mystery, Scooby-Doo. Hashtag elevate the clown. (laughs) So uh, 22% of you guys said that you are scared of clowns. Welcome to the ranks. I am also petrified of clowns. Uh, And 78 of you are lying and saying that you're not scared of clowns. Um, You're liars. (laughs) You're just liars. Because you know who clowns kill, Matt? Everybody. (laughs) Everybody. They don't fight nobody. They'll find you in your sleep. (laughs) Well... For all you brave souls who think that you're not scared of clowns, I would like to think that our guest in the second half may have something to say about that. Um, so we are going to go into a break. So we are going to put some of our sponsors in there. So if you check them out and support them, you support us. And we support us bringing some pretty cool stuff. Uh, don't forget, you know, we have our merch on Redbubble. Uh, dad hats are always $19.52. Uh, thank you for everybody who's been buying shirts recently. Um, take photos, man. Tag us. We want to see what you guys are doing. And also, too, make sure you send in your uh, confirmation so I can send you guys some stickers and buttons as well to go with that swag. And your birthdays. (laughs) Celebrity birthdays for this week. (laughs) We only have one. 
Yeah. And it's the golden tongue Lothario sitting right here. Matt Anderson, happy birthday this uh, week. Thanks, man. Our biggest celebrity in the Jojitorium. Um so happy birthday to Matt. Yes. I cut you off for a good reason this time. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. So support our sponsors, support us. Like, subscribe, share us. Thank you very much, and we'll see you on the other side. See you. Nice ink, Adam. Yeah, I got your name on my ass. <laughs> uh, I was talking about your forearm, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been taking care of it. Yeah, it looks great, man. Uh, what, are, what are you using? I'm using Lucky 13's Tattoo Cleanser and Healing Ointment. This ointment is incredibly fresh and invigorating. It effectively removes all surface oils and dirt while not dehydrating your new tattoo. Dude, I actually got some of Lucky 13's Tattoo Balm. It's all natural, not oily, and applies easily. The balm improved my color and definition, and the vibrance on this ink makes it look like it's brand new. Oh yeah, man. I found their products after taking their online quiz and it pointed me in the right direction. Hey, guess what? And right now, if you use our promo code MATA193529, you can save 25% on your entire order from their site. From the first line of your tattoo to the first year of your tattoo and beyond, Lucky 13 has you covered to keep that ink looking fresh. Welcome back. Hopefully you heard something that you like. Because again, when you support our sponsors, you support us. And when you support us, you bring some pretty cool stuff, like bringing on some very, very special guests. So the Jojitorium is more than thrilled to bring on Mr. David Howard Thornton. This incredible actor has landed his talents to projects like How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the musical, Nightwing Escalations, the Joker, and lending his voice to Powder Burns, a scripted podcast that was actually nominated for the Voice Arts Award in 2017. But we selfishly asked David to come on and talk to us all things horror and his horror icon persona, Art the Clown. First and foremost, thank you so much for taking any time at all to come talk to us. We are so excited to have you here. Oh, you're welcome, guys. Glad to be here. Great, great. So uh, first and foremost, you know, you, you've been a pretty busy guy lately. Um, and as I can see here, you were just at the, uh, the Mad Monster Party in Concord, North Carolina. Yes, yes, indeed. That was last weekend. That was a great time. Yeah. So, so is that like a, a common thing you're trying to do is get on more of the horror con scene? Oh, yeah. I love them. It's just, it's like, I kind of look at it as like a paid vacation of all things. It's just <laughs> like, it's, it's wonderful. You just go out and, you know, fly into different cities all throughout the, the world now. We're starting to get me into international waters now. I'm going out to UK later on this year. So it's go out and chill out and have fun and get paid to do it i'm like this is the best thing ever i mean i, I waited tables for 13 years so this is like paradise to me yeah. <laughs> that's awesome man. it's yeah and it's and that's one thing that i was super interested in too because I, I mean let's you know let's not beat around the bush we're going to talk about terrifier too that's just gotta happen <laughs> oh, of course of uh, for course. sure but you know I, the role you have with art it's super creepy and you know and if anyone hasn't watched terrifier one you're doing yourself a complete disservice you need to go watch it it is cult classic horror it's it's perfect but i gotta know like you're such a nice guy like you're you're <laughs> not like you're not like your persona uh yeah but so i gotta know how did you bring that creepiness in? So like how did you come across the opportunity to put on the face paint for art in the first film yeah um that was a lot of luck on my part because i i had taken a few months off of waiting tables after i got back from my last tour of grinch and i was like i just wanted to focus on auditioning but i was focused more on like auditioning for stage and like broadway and stuff like that and i had been in like 
final callbacks for about four or five different Broadway tours and shows and like final, final callbacks. And like, they all fell apart for one reason or another. Like one of them literally came down to a coin flip and I thought I lost that coin flip. And I was like, ah, dang it. And then um, <clears throat> an audition notice was posted looking for a tall, skinny guy that had clowning experience or physical comedy experience to play art. And I knew the character from All Hallows Eve already. So I was like, oh, my God, this is perfect for me. I had never done film before other than extra work. So I was like, this would be, you know, this is a low budget independent film. So I don't know who's going to see this thing. I don't know if it will be successful or not. Probably not because it's a low budget independent film, you know. So I was like, you know, but who cares? This is good experience. It's a great role. I think I would have fun doing it. I could learn a lot doing it. So yeah, I, I want to go in for it. My my agents um, at first were like, well, it doesn't pay much. I'm like, I don't care. I want the experience right now because I can use this for a real, I can use this for all kinds of stuff in the future if this does not pan out. And they're like, okay, sure. They sent me in and I booked it. And then it took off and we weren't expecting that. So it was like, hey, I, I'm glad I took that risk. And took those few months off because, you know, if I had gotten any of those other shows I had been up for, I wouldn't have been able to audition for or film it. So it was like, it all worked out the way it was supposed to. So I feel very, very fortunate to be where I am right now. And we are fortunate enough that you got into that role too, because like we said before, it's one of our favorite films. So thank you, thank uh, it's, you. it's been incredible to watch you grow as an actor, uh, especially, you know, because we're, everyone's watching, you know, it's, <laughs> so it's just kind of cool to see where you're going with it. So I got to know um, with art is a silent masochistic just yeah kill machine so uh, with comedy time with comedy yeah comedic timing which is the best oh, yeah. part of it uh so he puts the, the slaughter and laughter yes well, he puts the he puts the laughter and slaughter there we go Put that reverse it <laughs> it doesn't matter we're slaughtering oh, that up. oh. <laughs> So did you take any influences from like some other projects you've been in or did you find yourself in any kind of like a uh, horror movie marathon where you're like, I got to take pieces of this or that or, yeah. or anything you found that you wanted to use? A little bit of both. I mean, uh, first of all, I definitely based them on a lot of the horror icons that came before him because I kind of look at art as kind of like the ultimate slasher fanboy. He's got little bits and pieces of every slasher icon that came before him in his personality and his character. So I, I added that there, but I also took my love of great physical comedians and silent film actors and put them in him. And one of my big inspirations was um, the man I was so lucky to understudy for five years with Grinch, Stefan Carl. He was the Grinch in our production, but he was mainly known for playing um, Robbie Rotten from the show Lazy Town. If anybody's familiar with that show, it's for the little ones, but he was an amazing physical comedian. The, the, the man was trained in clowning and all that. And so he was a master at that craft. And so I, I felt like I was training under Picasso basically when it came to this kind of stuff. And, and he, you know, he really helped inspire a lot what I did with art because I came fresh from doing Grinch for five years. So that was in the forefront of my brain, what Stefan was bringing to Grinch to all the crazy cartoonish physicalities. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's put that into art that you know build off of what Mike Gianelli who was original art had done with him let's let's build on top of what he the foundation he already set for me because I wanted to bring more of the clowning aspect to the character than had previously been there because I, I kind of like that idea of a, a truly sadistic villain but who's also very charismatic and funny at the same time so it's just like it makes you really question who you're rooting for 
Yeah, that, like, I was gonna say that. I I found myself kind of. I was like, I was like, I, I hope he gets her. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know who I was. Yeah, for. dude. The the and I'll say too, right at the the precipice of that, like, is uh the gun scene with the, the the turnaround you think the final girl is really getting the the turnaround on this and all of a sudden you're like nah screw that nine millimeter pop <laughs> boom yeah oh that, that was that um that night we filmed that where i was i commented i was like oh we are gonna piss off some people with this. they are not gonna see this coming They're, uh and that, that was like one of my favorite moments when we first screened the film in a theater we had a packed house standing room only house at lincoln center of all places here in new york city which is amazing in itself but like that the reactions from the audience was so cool because you had so many different reactions happen at the same time you had some people that screamed out in pure terror others screamed out because they're pissed off (laughs) because like fuck you bullshit Then you had other people start laughing hysterically that was, that at what we awesome. did. They're like, that was ballsy. That was awesome. And so you have all that happening at the same time. I was like, oh, that was a great feeling. When you take those creative risks and they pay off like that, is that kind of where you find the iconic footing then? Is that where you kind of cement art in like a, a different kind of category? Like kind of almost like breaking fourth wall to a degree? Yeah, I, I kind of do because that's what we did. We did something unexpected there and with other scenes too in the film. But it's like we we went beyond what you typically now see in slasher films, especially when it comes to the gore factor and like the just the how the viciousness of the character. I'm like most it seems like most slashers you see now are heavily CG'd and the gore they have in it is almost cartoonish in a way, if they even show it. Yeah. And and they don't linger on it like we do. As oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, even when I read the script the first time, you know, like the whole description of the hacksaw scene, I, I contacted Damien. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. I'm like, I, I'm assuming we're not going to show any of that. He's like, oh, no, we're going to show all of that. <laughs> I'm like, hell yes. As I, that, that's when I was like, oh, yeah, this is totally going to like resonate with people because we're actually showing the kill scenes again. Because so many people just don't do that anymore. They're trying to play it safe. They don't want to offend anybody. And I, and of course, we have gotten our haters out there that have been like, oh, you're misogynistic, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, he's the villain. That's what makes a bad guy a bad guy. He's doing horrible, despicable things. We're not cheering for him for doing that to people. That's horrible what he's doing. And it's just like, but that's what makes a a villain a good villain is when he does something reprehensible like that. And what's even more interesting is when people find it entertaining. I mean, that's that's one of those things that turns a mirror on the audience itself. And they you have to really sit there and reflect, like, why am I enjoying this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, going into those horror icons that you kind of brought to Art the Clown, do you have a favorite horror movie from oh, your childhood uh, yeah. or currently and uh, that you just watch like in your downtime? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I would say probably my my two top favorites right off the top of my head would be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and um because just got the characters in that just fantastic the whole family in that is just wonderful it's just like it, it starts off just with the hitchhiker and it's just like god this is going to go to some crazy place I, when I first saw that in college I was like this is fucked up I, but it's so good it's so good and and the other one would be, uh, of course, Freddy Krueger, you know, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 Dream Wars is probably one of my favorite slashers of all time. The kills in it are so creative. It's, that's when it really figured out where it was going character wise, story wise, everything. It just hit all the 
every everything it needed to be right there. It was just mm, that was such a good movie. And I, I think the the character of Freddy is probably the best horror villain ever created. It's it's such a creative and scary character because this is something that you can do infinite things with because most of his kills all happen in the dream world. So you can do whatever you want to. Anything you think up, you can do because you're not bound by the constraints of reality. But also he's a villain that you can't get away from. It's yeah. it's you you can hop in a car and book it out of town if you know Jason or Mike Myers or Leatherface are coming after you. Freddy's in your dreams right. and you gotta sleep at some point. If you don't sleep, you're gonna die. If you sleep, you're gonna die. I mean, that's just that's just a horrifying, you know, concept, but it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Like Wes Craven just created an amazing character with him. Right. And like maybe one of the best slashers that had like a personality. So much yeah. like a clown, you yeah. could you found yourself rooting for him in certain yeah. circumstances. Yeah. Like you don't oh, care what's right. happening, what Nancy's gonna do in the next movie. You want to know right. what Freddie's up to. Like yeah. And also like how creative is he gonna be? That's yeah. that's, that's, that's it's like you love those, and that's why I think people love Jason so much. It's like the creative kills, you know. It's, it's not just simply just stabbing someone. He's like sleeping bag killing, douses <laughs> someone's head in like you know uh, liquid nitrogen, smashes it. It's that kind of stuff. It's like oh god, these kills were fun and creative. And that was kind of like when I when I could find someone to compare art to. I did compare him a lot to uh, Freddy Krueger because I felt like both characters have layers, and a lot of it's based in uh, like comedic overtone. So yeah. like, you know, the kills are brutal. I think in both oh, movies, yeah. and I think and I think the Nightmare on Elm Street movies were one of the last bastions where you actually saw the kills occur in the most yeah. over the top ways. And it's fantastic. The pool of blood coming out from the the bed is so iconic. Oh god, the the marionette scene with all the sinew and muscles yeah. and everything. It's like, oh god, that makes me cringe when I yeah. watch it because I was like, oh that that's got to be painful. And I, and I feel like, so I, I always felt like Freddy Krueger's ability to manipulate things in the dreamscape is very similar to, and this is kind of a weird thing to say, the garbage bag of art. I feel like <laughs> the abilities of Freddy Krueger are manifested in the garbage bag because there's a little bit of everything in there. Yeah, it could be, anything could be in that bag. And that's yeah. what I love. It's kind of like Felix the cat and his magic bag of tricks. It's <laughs> yeah. just like... Yeah. So anything we want could be in that bag. And I get the question all the time. It's like, what is that bag made of that it does not just fall apart and rip open? I'm like, it's it's a glad bag. <laughs> yes, John Cena endorses them. They got to be tough, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're, you are cemented in the horror world right now. Um, have any of these horror icons reached out to you, like a community rallying kind of idea, like anybody that of notable ilk or maybe some people we haven't heard of yet if you've teamed up with yeah that that's the one thing that i was really nervous about once we first started going doing conventions because it's like i had no idea how you know the legends would all regard us i i, I was like oh my god i i, I was so afraid they were just going to look down their nose at, uh, at us and be like who the hell did these guys think they are we've been around for like 20 30 years doing this stuff who, who who's this clown <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> And it was the opposite was true is it's, all of them have just been so welcoming and they're big fans of the series as well It's like I, I think a lot of them are happy that new blood is finally being brought into the genre. New stuff is being done. We're bringing things back to basics again, because it's like we haven't had an icon since, you know, Jigsaw came out. Yeah. 
And it's just, and people have tried, oh boy, have they tried, but it's just, nothing's resonated with audiences. So it's, that's one of those things that was really cool is just seeing how accepting it was. And it's like, I, I remember specifically like Bill Mosley, um, he had, back when I was, used to be on Twitter, he used, he and I used to casually correspond with each other right before I would did my first convention with him at Days of the Dead in Chicago in 2018. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Bill Mosley, of all people, that's awesome. But I was like, yeah, he's just probably being nice and everything. And so I'm setting up my table at the convention and he comes, he beelines it right to me when he got in there. He's like, hey, David, Bill. I'm like, hey, oh my God. (laughs) Wow. He's like, hey, welcome. Welcome. I just wanted to introduce myself and everything. And I want to take you around and introduce you to some of the other guys here. And so he took me around meet like John Kazir and Kane Hodder and all these guys. He's like, hey, this is David. He's the new guy on the block, all this. And they're like, oh yeah, we've heard about Terrifier, blah, blah. And it's, that was really, really cool. It's kind of like, you know, just like an initiation into the guild in some kind of way. Yeah. And it's just, and I've become good friends with a lot of those guys now too, because we do these conventions with each other all the time. And like just last week I was in the hotel gym exercising with Kane Hodder we're both on treadmills together just chatting away and I'm like this is so bizarre and they you know so many of them want to be involved in Terrifier as well and that's what's really cool is just saying that 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 they are interested in being part of this as well and we've gotten a few of them involved so far like you know Felissa Rose and Tamara Glenn and like Chris Jericho is involved too and it's and, and like we want to involve more of them. It's just like we have to write the characters and stuff like that. Yeah. We, we, we want to do them justice in a way. We don't want to just like, and it was, you know, there's just this character and man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I know like Bill really wants to be involved somehow. It's like part two. And we're like, ah, we don't have anything worthy of Bill Mosley in part two. You know, it's just like oh, we'd have to create a character for Bill. <laughs> yeah. Man, and, and Bill Mosley, uh, again, it, around here, especially for Adam and myself, Bill Mosley's up there. I mean, it just oh, yeah. iconic roles, uh, wonderful ability to kind of take on just yeah. about any kind of any kind of face, really. I mean, he is so versatile. Yeah, he is. He can go batshit crazy with stuff. And like in real life, Bill is just like the nicest, most chill, laid back guy. He is yeah. just such a sweetheart. And that's how so many of them are. That's what I think is so funny is like all of us that are known for playing these horrible, terrible creatures and monsters and people are usually some of the biggest teddy bears in real life. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, you know, we, we were saying that too, before we got started that you're so friendly and you were so nice to us as well. So that rings true. I mean, it, it's incredible to see that some of the most terrifying horror icons are just willing to, just break down those walls and, and, and love talking about their craft, which is incredible for us. Uh, Cause we want, we, you know, as horror fans, we're always hungry for more. We want to know oh, yeah. how things work and the intricacies of things. So. Oh, I love that, that aspect of it. I mean, I'm, I'm big into technical aspects of how things are done. I mean, that's, that goes back to my childhood when I, I first saw the making of who friend Roger rabbit. It was like, they showed how they did everything. I was like, this is intriguing. I love this. And back when I used to do community theater, if when I was, if I wouldn't be cast, if I wasn't casting the show, I would work tech. Yeah. So I was behind stage doing, you know, moving the set pieces and making all the special effects work. And I love that aspect as well. It's like anytime I go see a Broadway show and they have a lot of special effects and stuff like that, I'm very intrigued to see how they did everything. Sometimes I've gotten taken out, like when they uh, had King Kong here on Broadway a few years ago, my friend was uh, the understudy for Andero in it. 
And so I went to go see her and she actually was on stage that night as Anne. So after the show, she she gave me a whole entire tour of how they operate the big huge puppet of Kong and all that. So I got to see how that's all so the cool. magic was made. I love that. Um, that's how I am. It's like you know, I love seeing how the magic's made. I'm even like that with actual magic, like stage magic. Yeah. I, I studied a lot of that. I was different magicians' assistants growing up, and like I'm more fascinated how the trick is done than actually the trick itself. Uh, to me, it's like a puzzle. I like to sit there and watch magicians and try to figure out the puzzle the whole entire time cool man so we got like we said we got to talk about terrifier too (laughs) we we got we got to get to that so uh terrifier definitely left fans of the film wanting more and the ending of it really lended itself for (laughs) a sequel um so how did talks about uh the part two come to fruition like how did was it who initiated the initial contact to get that thing rolling Ah, uh, that was Damien. I mean, we when we were filming part one, we already had ideas. We were already brainstorming ideas. If we were lucky enough to make a part two, we 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 loved the character of Art, and we wanted to do more of the story. And so we were talking then, but you know, we weren't being, you know, we were trying to be as realistic as possible because we're like, oh, we're a low low budget independent film. Who knows if anybody's going to see us in the first place? But we would love to make a sequel because <laughs> we think there's more story to tell and. We actually like, that's why we filmed the morgue scene. We, that wasn't in the original first cut of the film we showed in uh, Telluride, Colorado back in 2016. And the audience was really clamoring for more. And so Damon's like, well, let's go ahead and put a, a little coda to it. And so people know the art's going to be back. And so we added that morgue scene in there, just, you know, give that audience a little taste of something what's to come. And that's basically where we start part two. That, and it, that's so cool too. That that morgue scene, uh, it kind of reminds me of some more other like iconic horror movies where, uh, especially Jason being electrocuted and coming back. Mm-hmm. That kind of reminded me of. Um, so we're talking about the second movie here too. You guys kind of crested into something that we we found to be pretty fascinating, where you did a bit of crowdfunding, yeah, for part of the part of the film here. And um, so whose idea was that for crowdfunding? I think that was just the production team, especially Damien and our, our producer, Phil, and the Fuzz and Lens guys, because uh, they, they've they all done a lot of crowdfunding for their uh, their different films. And so they we went, you know, we all kind of just teamed up together. If those that don't know, the Fuzz and Lens guys, are the, um, they helped us with part two, uh, Mike Levy, Jason Levy, and Steve Delisella. They um, Mike was the exterminator I decapitated, and Steve and Jason were the two police officers at the end they came in later on into the film uh and it's like they've done some other films like abnormal attraction i'm doing another film with them right now called stream which we have a lot of horror icons involved as well in that awesome like, yeah it's so like d wallace jeffrey combs tony todd danielle harris you know felissa rose danny dave sheridan it just keeps going and going and going it's amazing but that's that's where we got the idea from it's like why don't you know because we we tried shopping it around to different studios and still people were not really giving us what we wanted. We had a few bites, but it was nothing substantial. It was kind of like a slap in the face. It's like, really? You're willing to, you know, because I, I, I did research myself and I was like, okay, how much are, you know, low budget independent films usually made for, you know, and they usually go for a few million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, really? Wow. And these people are the offers are giving us for not even a million dollars. I'm like, are you kidding me? We're already a proven commodity. Yeah, uh, for and sure. Like, your your streaming is, numbers alone had to be through the roof. 
Yeah, I mean, we were like the whole two years we had our contract with Netflix. We were one of the top ten horror movies the whole entire time we were on Netflix. So it, it's it it was astounding me. I think they were just looking like what we made the first film on. And it's like, well, if they can make a film for like less than you know fifty thousand dollars, then hey, we don't have to give them a big budget. I'm like, no, we want to have a bigger budget so we can actually pay the crew yeah. this time. And, <laughs> It's like, you know, we, we worked for peanuts, if anything, on the first film, especially our crew. And, you know, everybody put their heart and soul into it. And that's why it came out as well. It's like it wasn't the money people were working for. They're working for just they believed in the project. Yeah. So we're like, well, you know, if, you know, no one's going to really give us the funding, we might as well just turn to the fans. And that's what we did. And we ran that Indiegogo campaign. And our initial goal was just $50,000. And I, I remember Damien, when we first were trying to set the goal, I, I said, we should make at least a hundred thousand. He's like, no, oh, no, I well, let's make it 50, but I even doubt it will make even 50. I'm like, dude, we'll make 50. Yeah. <laughs> and we made that first 50 in like three hours of yeah. posting it. It was insane. We, we made over $200,000 on the, the campaign and, you know, we could have made more if we kept the campaign going if we just kept it open, but we just closed it off there. And I was like, ah, man, because I had so many people approaching me after. I was like, oh God, I want to still contribute. Can I? I'm like, no, sorry. <laughs> but, but that's the cool thing though. It's just like it being fan, you know, basically most of it being fan funded. It's, it's a film where we didn't have to worry about the studios coming down on us and telling us what we could or could not do. We can make the film we wanted to make. We didn't have to answer to anybody else. So that was that was the luxury we had. If we wanted to go crazy with a, a kill scene, we could go crazy with it and like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's do whatever we want to. And that's what we did. And in a, in a weird way, the pandemic even helped us in that yeah. regard because it gave us some more time because we, we had started filming two of the big kill scenes right before the pandemic closed us down here in New York. But Damien had to take some time off just to build the prosthetics for the rest of the kill. And then the pandemic, boom, locked us down. We're like, crap. Well, we have that time now because we don't know how long until everything's going to open up. So Damien's like, well, we got the time. I got nothing else to do right now. I might as well revamp what we were going to film and flush it out even further. And now I can take the time to build these prosthetics and make these kill scenes even crazier. And that's what we did. Like uh, one of the kill scenes, which uh, we started filming it right before the pandemic. And, and it's what we were already filming was enough to make one of our crew members who's a huge horror fan have to excuse himself from the room because he was getting nauseous. That's what we we're originally filming. <laughs> and that was only supposed to take us like two days maybe to film that, maybe three. And that ended up with the new revamped version of it, it took us almost a week to film. Oh man. Wow. So <laughs> prosthetic heavy. It's just, there's so, so many elements in the scene that weren't originally there. And it's, it's night and day and it's, it's a vicious, vicious scene. I, I think we're probably going to get definitely some hate for, for this scene because <laughs> Especially some from some more like conservative Christian type groups, like this is just vile and disgusting and horrible what you're doing. I'm like, he's the bad guy. This is yeah. what makes him <laughs> truly deplorable and evil. This is what somebody like this would actually do. It's not nice. But we, we do it in an entertaining way too. That which I think so it's not just horrible, horrible viciousness happening. It's also arts doing his art stuff while yeah. doing this. So it's just like 
God, I shouldn't be laughing at this. I shouldn't be, you know, smiling. What, why, why? And, and we, we've, um, when we've been at some of the conventions recently, um, Damien likes to get feedback. He likes to see how things, people are responding to this. And so we, we have shown it to a few people, not just like a rough cut of them. So they haven't even yeah. seen the fully edited version yet, but we showed like a rough cut of it to some people. And like um, one person in particular, Heather Riker, who does a lot of the Q&A sessions with a lot of the cons around the country. She's huge horror fan. So we're like, okay, we got to show Heather this. We got to see, because if anybody's going to give us an honest opinion, it's going to be her. She started crying halfway through it because she was so happy. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and it was yeah. just like, oh, man. Because at first I was like, oh, no, oh, no. We, we've devast- we've broken her. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. She hates me now. Oh, no. She hates me now. But she's like, no, no. And she even went on Facebook after watching the scene and wrote a whole big thing about it. It's like, oh, my God. This is, this is what horror fans have been wanting. And that's what we do we're making the type of film we want to see because all of us are making it are horror fans. It's so we're, we don't have studio executives that think they know what people want to see and think they, you know, it's like that don't really care about the genre. They just see dollar signs. No, we're actually passionate about what we're doing and we want to make it the best we can. And that's why it's taken a little bit longer for it to come out because Damien, especially one, probably one of the biggest horror fans you'll ever meet. I mean, he, he's got like an encyclopedic knowledge of even the most obscure horror films. And he's, he's, this is his baby. He wants it to be as good as it is. So he took it upon himself to edit it and everything because he, he didn't want anybody else ruining what his vision was. And it's, it, it's, it's hard for one person to sit there and edit a two plus hour movie by themselves. And, I, I, I'm glad he did it though, as, as long as it took, but because it's what I have seen is just so good. It's, I'm, I'm very excited for everybody to see what we've concocted. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so speaking of the fans, were there any uh, special items given to those that pitched in money for the crowdfunding? Any, any cool items that stuck out? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 God, I'm trying to remember all of them, but you know, we had some like hats and horns, I think maybe, um, that I signed. Uh, I, I think we have two costume pieces, like of my my actual clown costume that are screen worn, so oh, that wow. we we have given away. And I uh, some of the bigger what the bigger hot ticket items were were um, if they I think they gave like five thousand dollars to it, they could have a could be featured in a kill scene in the movie. Oh, nice. And that we filmed that we had we had brought in some of the Indiegogo people for this scene that's in the movie. And they're featured pretty well in this scene. And we filmed that literally the week before everything locked down here in New York. Oh, wow. And that was one of the coolest. We're so stressed out about this week because this, this scene is a, is a big set piece in the film early on. And there's so many technical aspects and elements to it that could go wrong. We had a lot of stunts. We had a lot of other stuff going on in pyro, all it's, so a lot of moving pieces, very stressful. We were like, oh God, this is going to be a disaster. And it was the most fun week we had on set. It, everything flowed so well. We, it was like a big party atmosphere on set the whole entire time. We'd go on set and we'd go hang out afterwards with all the, you know, the, the, the fans and stuff like that and party all night and then go back to film some more the next day. And it was it was a blast. And 
I can't wait for, wait for people to see this scene here because it's a crazy scene. It's yeah. so much fun. So that, that was, I think that was probably the coolest thing that we did give away. I mean, we, we had like one, one of our, 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 um, our contributors when we were killing him the first time we had to do it again because he was smiling the whole entire time. He was just so happy. He's just like, yeah. That's how Adam and I would be. I'm pretty sure if we were getting killed yeah. part of the time, I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. Yeah. He, he's like, it's just like, dude, you're, you're getting killed. You shouldn't be so happy. <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry. I'll do it again. I'll be here all day. Oh, it's totally fine. It was so much fun. I, I think, you know, all of that just brought a new energy to the set too, because it's like, yeah, it's like we got to see how the fans are responding to what we we're doing. So we're getting some fresh eyes looking at what was going on. And so their, their excitement just fed into our energy. Yeah. And, and the energy that comes from the kill scenes that we've already seen in terrifier one, and I can only assume when we, put some uh some oomph behind some bigger kills <laughs> that adam and i are just gonna be it's gonna the rewatchability has already gone through the roof just because you're talking about it. <laughs> oh god this is definitely gonna be one of those rewatchable films it's just there's gonna be so many things you're just gonna i, I god i mean like damien and i were just talking on the plane the other day about oh we can't wait for people to see this scene and 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 this i'm like oh my god they're gonna go nuts over this scene and this scene <laughs> it's like oh it's exciting and we're We've done some creative things with it that you have never really seen in a horror film before, too. It's like some things that you're just like, oh, well, that's a funny situation to put a killer in. And, uh. and one of those was even birthed through just a happy accident we had on set. It was like, I, I can tell the first part of this because it, it's not really spoiling anything, but there's a scene where I was supposed to just come crashing through a window. And that, you know, that's that's cool enough but you've seen it done so many times and but we're just doing it because it leads into other stuff that happens but um when they got the big pane of glass that they were supposed to put in that i was supposed to crash through they opened up the box and it was broken oh and it was late at night so there and this is the only time we could film this scene we couldn't come back a different day we're like well crap what do we do here (laughs) it's like we only have this these people aren't around so what are we going to do and like damien and i and some the fuzz guys we just put our heads together and concocted this whole new entire scene that's not even in the script and i think it's beautiful it's it's not beautiful but it's it's just like it's something you you would never really think of seeing in a horror film and it's so creepy it's so amusing in the same way it's just it's so unsettling and i love it and i'm like this would never have happened if that little mistake had happened and i just i I can't wait for people i can't wait to see how people respond to what we do there so i can go that's the scene that's the scene that's something we did that's it right there (laughs) we just came up with that on the fly it was like (laughs) so of course you know you you've given us some insight to terrifier 2 and we we'd never ask for spoilers but we want to ask though Mm-hmm. So we don't know the ending, but is there any possibility of a Terrifier 3 or maybe a return to an All Hallows Eve type scenario for art or maybe some new adventures for art? Of course. Yeah. It's like, I mean, that's why we set it up from the beginning that he's super, there's a supernatural aspect to the character. And we, I um, mean, we set that up in part one when he's brought back from the dead. So we want to put that out there. You know, like we wanted to go ahead and nip that one horror cliche in the bud and be like, hey, you know, because, you know, yeah, you got to kill the guy off 
somehow, but you got to bring him back somehow. So let's just go ahead and acknowledge this now instead of later down the line. Yeah, there's something here. And we fully acknowledge that in part two. So yeah, there can of course be a part three. Awesome. How it will come about, I can't say. <laughs> but we have some pretty freaking cool ideas. <laughs> and I can't wait to see what those ideas are. Uh, yeah. You guys have come up with some really creative ideas. Um, and, and that leads me to a question I wanted to ask. You know, most horror sequels see uh, more of the actors and the crew come together to feed more into the creative process of the film's creation. So uh, were you brought in to do more than you did from the first film? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I'm like, because I did collaborate a lot with Damien during even the writing process. He and I would just constantly message each other ideas. And even if like my ideas weren't used in the film, sometimes they like spawned other ideas that he would, and we would just kind of ping pong back and forth with ideas with each other and create scenes out of it. And I'm like, okay, now, now you do your thing and write this down and make something cool happen with these fun ideas we're even doing that with part three already we're just like oh yeah we got ideas let's see how it all comes together but that's what's really cool about you know working with Damon he's very 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 much a collaborative director of course you know he makes the final decision with everything yeah he has his vision he knows how he wants things to be but he's also open to other ideas and allows for us to experiment because sometimes someone else might have an idea and it might work better than what we had originally planned and that happened several times on set and it was and it's not just scenes with me like uh other actors as well especially lauren um Lever, who's playing sienna in this i mean she's i i think even going into part three if she survives <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um you know, like she she had a lot of input into things, especially with her character, and because she really loves this character, Damien loves. I mean, I, I, I this is a character Damien's had in his head for even before he created art. It's a very Ellen Ripley badass type of character. Awesome man. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like, uh, and this is really her story. Like I kind of look at Terrifier's art story. This is her story, right. and art fits into her story. So it's it's her origin in a lot of ways, and it's. It's great, but I, I don't want people to think, oh, it's just going to be her most of the time. Oh, God, no, 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 no. I mean, hearts in it front and center. I mean, I, I think they have equal billing at this one. Cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So it sounds like you've been super busy on the working on Terrifier 2 uh, in the recent years. But is there any other projects you're working on outside of uh, Terrifier 2 and Art the Clown? Yeah, like I said, uh, Stream is one of those. I mean, like, I'm still thinking about one more scene to film. They they took a little bit of a break because they're trying to raise a little bit more money because they decided to add another kill, kill scene into it. They want to get some more horror alumni involved with. And so it's it's really cool. Damien's doing the practical effects for it as well. So it's the kills are pretty gnarly in this thing as well. And the, the storyline's pretty cool. They This is another thing that they hope is going to become a franchise. And it's, it's, they've got some really cool ideas for this going forward as well, which I think is going to be fun. But it's like just having all these like horror alumni legends on the set all working together on something has been really awesome too. I just, I, I, I kind of didn't even feel worthy to be on set with some of these people, but it was, it was a great learning experience. Like just even like days when I wasn't in a scene with Jeffrey Combs, I'm like, can I please just come to set and watch yeah. this? I'm like, I, I love to watch great character actors work and see their, what all they do. And, and, and even if they mess up, 
it, it's like, oh, that puts me more at ease. I'm like, ah, oh, see, everybody messes up. It's okay to mess up. It's you know, that's why you do multiple takes and stuff like that because it makes people more human. And but you learn so much. And I was like, because right, I, I love Jeffrey is a, a, a Jeff is like you know a, an actor. He's such a great character actor. There's so much I love the type of characters he plays. So I, I really wanted to watch him especially. But yeah, just working with all these people has been amazing, and it's, I've become friends with them through it yeah. all too so just like this is amazing I, I never imagined i would be like you know rubbing elbows with tony todd and <laughs> i'm like holy shit i mean I you mentioned like, d williams off the top too man oh uh, d wallace yeah d wallace i apologize yeah, yeah. that that's got to be incredible oh like, d's awesome yeah she's awesome she's like america's mom yeah. <laughs> it's just like she's been in everything and it's just and she's just the biggest sweetheart and she's so good like there's a scene that she's in in this is it's like just kind of heartbreaking watching some of the stuff she was doing i was like oh god i feel bad oh my god <laughs> oh my gosh she's so, uh, it's, that's what i loved about this it's just it's been pure joy doing this kind of, i feel so fortunate to be able to you know do this with my i never imagined i'd be doing yeah. this kind of stuff in my life it's like because we we basically quarantined ourselves in a hotel for about a month and a half in um in gettysburg last year and filmed a lot of this and so we're all just living together in this hotel and it's like you know like who, who's going to be the the celebrity that drops by for a few days and stuff so like oh hey <laughs> we're all hanging out with this person this week and this person is like this is awesome <laughs> it's almost like uh the summer camp you always wish you could have went to you know oh god yeah <laughs> oh god yeah it was also funny too because we're filming this and even though it was in the middle of winter last year and the, they still had guests at this hotel, but the hotel didn't tell these people where they had, that we were filming a horror film. Oh no. <laughs> I almost died. <laughs> I, I was like one night where uh, there's a scene where I'm stalking my victims around the hotel and stuff like that. And I'm all, oh, I look scary as anything covered in blood. We got this crazy lights going on and stuff like that. And I'm stalking down this hallway, doing repeated takes and me going down the hallway, looking for my victim, you know, and all of a sudden this woman just comes out of her room and just starts yelling. It's like, whatever you are doing, it's very effective. We <laughs> are second amendmenters and you almost got shot. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, like we're filming a horror movie. Info yeah. that we were filming a no. glory horror like, movie. No one told you that we're <laughs> filming a horror movie. Oh my God, we are so sorry. And she like took video of it. She was filming through her, her peephole. And, and, and so you, you see me going by and I'm like, oh my God, that is terrifying. Can we use your footage, please? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think they, they, they interviewed her for some behind the scenes stuff. Because oh, I was cool. got to. But she was like apparently standing behind that door with her gun, just expecting me to like do something. I'm oh, like, no. oh my god! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so tell me how you almost died, Adam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so oh. is there? So take yourself out of your current situation right now, and you could pick any dream role, anytime, any era. Where where would you put yourself, and what character would oh. you take over? Well, that's very easy. This guy right here. Yes. That's what I'm That's, talking about. That is my dream role. That is, I mean, I've played him, of course, on Nightwing. 
so that's where I was really, you know, really ex building the character and experimenting with him. But I really want to play him on, in a more professional venue, especially, I, I mean, it would be fun to play him in a movie, of course, but I really want to play him on a TV series. Mm -hmm. That way I can spend a lot more time with the character. He's such a nuanced character. Yeah, you, you really can't tell a really, truly good Joker story in two hours. It's just like, there's so much to dig into with that character. And I would really love to have that luxury of just really diving deep into him. I, I mean, I, I look at the, you know, like one of my favorite stories of him is from the recent death of the family when it's the one where he had cut off his face. And oh yeah. Yeah. Kidnapped the whole entire bat family. Cause he's trying to, you know, make Batman Batman again he thinks his family has made him weak and it really delves deep into that whole duality of batman and joker and the history between the two of them and what drives both of them and why they do what they do to each other and it's just so so character driven and i would just I, oh god there's so much that happens in that I, would, I mean that's something you would need to take a season of a tv yeah. show to really flesh out that story I mean, that's how Harley finally got fed up with him, too, because he, like, locks her into this room, chains her up to a wall, and there are all these skeletons of other past Harley Quinns. And he's like, what, you thought you were the only one? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you're nothing to me. I never loved you. You're only a means to an end for me. It's like, that is just, oh, there's such a good Joker story. And it's, it's, that's something I would really love to do with them. Cause it's like, that's the one thing, like in, in, in the live action versions that they have never truly done Joker. Right. Yeah. They left a lot on the table. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. They I, never have done him right. And it drives me crazy because it, that, that, that it's because it, especially in that story arc, they really, it's a, when I read it, it's like, ah, oh, this makes this character make so much more sense to me. And it's Batman's talking about um, his eyes, yeah. his pupils, especially with his eyes. He's like, his pupils dilate a certain way when he looks at me as opposed to anybody else. And the only reason someone's pupils do that is from a psychological perspective is when they're in love with someone. And it's like, not like a romantic love necessarily, but just like when they're just so obsessed and infatuated and yeah. fascinated with someone. And that's, that's the thing. It's that like Joker sees him as that final piece to his puzzle that completes him. He needs Batman. And he's never going to kill Batman because he needs him. He'll kill everybody else who's associated with Batman, but he will never kill Batman because that's what completes him. Yeah. He needs him in his life. And it's just... That's what drives him. He, he's, he, he doesn't give a damn who Batman actually is. Right. He doesn't want to know he's Bruce Wayne. He, I'm sure he figured that out years ago, but he's like, fuck it. I don't care. That's not, who, <laughs> that's not Batman. Batman's Batman. Bruce Wayne is not Batman. That's just a mask Batman puts on. Yeah. I remember that, that monologue that he had uh, about halfway through uh, death of the family where he talks about masks and the different masks mm -hmm. that people wear to kind of pass through society and when you start talking yeah. about bruce wayne being a mask i was i've never really thought about batman's uh like alter alter ego being his mask batman being yeah. the main face and then bruce wayne you know not uh, yeah it's it's incredible and just the in also to the passions you have for mm -hmm. that dynamic between 
Joker and Batman. That's something that I, I that's why it's my favorite thing in yeah. comic book history is the Batman Joker dynamic because there is so much, there's this just lusty animosity that yeah. comes into play and it's just so beautiful and, and it can be told over multiple arcs, which we see, you know, oh, really could be. And the one thing, and I was thinking about this too when you're talking about it. Something I would love to see you do in, in an acting mm-hmm. situation because of the way that you bring uh, like, a, like a twisted creepiness to art. If you were able to do the bat who laughs, mm-hmm. if, you could, if you could take on <laughs> that form of the Joker, the way that he operates in like the multiverse and everything, I think you oh, yeah. would devastate as the. Oh, that would be fun. That yeah. would be fun. It's us. Oh, such a nuanced character. That's what I I love villains like that that have depth to them. And it's just like, I, I just find them fascinating. I, I, I'm, that's why I love about playing villains. They're always so, so much more interesting to me. There's like something that really makes them take what made them go bad. That's always been something interesting to me. It's like, what makes this person take? Why did they choose this path in life? And it's like, I mean, it's like, I would love to play Riddler too, because there's, like, there's a lot you can delve into him too. It's like, he's a totally different character than Joker. And he's, he's driven by ego. Like he thinks he's the smartest man in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I love that aspect of I'm I'm interested to see what Paul Dano is going to do with him next week with the new Batman movie and stuff. Yeah, like for sure. Like, it's like when they first cast him as Riddler, I'm like, oh, he'd be a good Riddler. Oh my God, yeah, he he he's he's that kind of. I mean, like, yeah, but I I'm not crazy about the, the aesthetic look of him. Of course, I, I I don't feel like that's Riddler, but we'll see what they do with it. But it's <laughs> like, but that's the kind of role I see like Jeffrey Combs would have been wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well. It's exactly. like he, he would have been a great riddler. He would have been a great scarecrow as well. Yeah. I want to see Bill Mosley be scarecrow, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, that would be cool too. Yeah. I can tell him or Richard Brake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be creepy as hell. Yeah. Man. So yeah. we, we are getting towards the end of our time with you. Oh, man. I know. And we did <laughs> every second you've given us. Uh, so before we ask you for one more final favor, because you've already given mm-hmm. us so much, um, can you just tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find Terrifier, where they can find your ongoing projects, just for everyone to hear where they can go to find your stuff? Yeah, you can um, just follow me on Facebook and Instagram under David Howard Thornton. That's where I'm at. Um, I also have a cameo page if anybody wants me to wish I'm a happy birthday or something like that. I, I, I basically charge what I charge for a you know, combo at a uh, convention for that. So I'm not trying to make people go broke or anything like that. So I want to be as accessible as possible fans, but still also make a little bit of extra income on the side. You got to, you got to, that's the part of the the business part of show business, I guess you got, got to say, but it's like, yeah, that's where you can find me. And I I try to, you know, get back as much as I can to the fans as well. I, I, like, I think people are like, God, Dave, you, you answer everybody. I'm like, I try, I try. That's because it's the fans that got us where we are. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan myself of, you know, others. So I was just like, yeah, it's, I, I know how cool it was for me when I heard from other people I was a big fan of. So it's like, I, that's why I try to interact as much as I can. Awesome. And, and you've been great to us as two big fans of yours that everything you're saying rings true. I mean, you were, you responded to my message. I mean, I, I gushed a lot on my initial path <laughs> and you were so nice and polite to me. Um, so thank you again for that. That was, that was very kind of you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, Have so, to do it. Yeah. So the one last thing I got to ask you, so we, we tested our listeners, we throw out listener mm-hmm. polls on Tuesdays and we asked them if they were scared of clowns because mm-hmm. of your anticipation of having you on here. 
and our listeners think they have big brass balls and they think that they're not scared of clowns. So I was wondering, can you tell our fans why they need to be scared of clowns? Why you should be afraid of clowns? Because they put you at ease. They draw, they know how to draw you in and make you vulnerable. And that's when they get you. I mean, it's like a, a great example. That was the, the cat lady scene in part one. Yeah. Where he preys on her vulnerability, her want to be a mother. And draws, gets her into that comfort area and then gets her. And I, I think that's, that's what can be so scary about clowns because they're supposed to be something that's so innocent, something that's supposed to bring joy and laughter to people. That's how they draw you and they entertain you. They make you happy. They make you giggle a little bit. They put you at ease and they can, boom, get the knife right in you or get the syringe right into your jugular. Yeah. Or get the saw, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, woohoo. So the David, worst gynecology exam ever <laughs> or the best one however you want to look at it yeah, depends. depends who's doing it <laughs> so david again thank you so much for coming on and talking to us and i, I really hope too after terrifier 2 comes out that maybe we could do this again and yeah. talk more about the future plans and i definitely want to talk to you more about uh your the other movie you were talking your new project that's coming out as well mm-hmm. I, I, I want to just know more stream. yeah stream oh yeah i just yeah there's I, gonna I, be a lot to talk about <laughs> i'm hungry for more so please uh good well, yeah i'd love to have you back on and and good luck to you and thank you so much again for your work and for terrifier and for everything else that's going to be coming to our yeah thank yeah. you thank, thank you for your time we I, i'm floored thank you so much yeah man <laughs> you're welcome guys thank you for your support yeah absolutely so good luck and if you guys want to know what's going on with david howard thornton you just follow him on all social media and just make sure you tell him that the boys sent you so until next time see you later see you guys <laughs> bye david <laughs> Bye. See you next week.